Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning. My name is Bernadette Anderko, and I'm one of the investment writers at Julius Baer in Zurich. I'm going to provide an overview of the recent market activity. In the US yesterday, stocks made a cautious recovery. The S&P 500 index closed up 0.3% to 3,946.01, with energy, consumer discretionary, utilities, tech and telecom stocks all outperforming. The Nasdaq 100 closed up 0.8% and the Dow Jones was relatively flat at 31,135.09. Asian markets also rose after their worst sell-off in two weeks. Japan's topics gained 0.2% and the Hang Seng Index rose 0.6%. Shares advanced in Hong Kong as Chinese developers rallied amid reports of increased efforts by officials to arrest a housing slump. In China, the CSI 300 did rally during trading but is currently down 0.9%. Asian currencies remain at risk from a strong US dollar. The yen held around 143 per dollar overnight, having rallied from just under the closely watched 145 level yesterday on signs the Bank of Japan was preparing an intervention. Japan's trade deficit ballooned to a record in August, highlighting the increasing pain of the weak yen as import costs spiral upwards, adding to pressure on the country's economic recovery. China's offshore yuan was close to the seven level versus the dollar after the Chinese central bank drained liquidity from the banking system for the second month in a row. In the bond markets, the premium of the two-year US Treasury yield over the comparable 30-year benchmark climbed to as much as 35 basis points this morning, increasing the yield curve inversion to a level unseen this century. This has been driven by the US inflation report on Tuesday and the ensuing expectations that the Federal Reserve will need to keep tightening policy rapidly to curb inflation. Swaps traders are pricing in a hike of three quarters of a percentage point when the Fed meets next week, with some traders betting on a full-point move. In the commodity space, oil edged higher as the easing of some virus curbs in a major Chinese city and a pause in the dollar's rally aided the demand outlook. Gold is trading at $1,688.65 an ounce and Bitcoin was just above $20,000 as I wrote this. On the political front, Swedish Prime Minister Magdalena Andersson conceded defeat and announced that she's going to resign as a surge in support for a nationalist party helped the right-wing opposition win one of the closest elections ever. Moderate party leader Ulf Christensen must now try to form the new government with a very slim majority. Ukraine's President Zelensky was involved in a car accident when his vehicle collided with another after a visit to Izium, but his doctors report that he suffered no serious injuries. Back to today, US business inventories, empire manufacturing, retail sales, initial jobless claims and industrial production data will all be scrutinised for clues on the strength of the economy and inflation expectations. European stock market futures are a mixed bag, indicating an uncertain start to the day, so good luck. And that's it for the markets wrap. Now I'm pleased to hand over to Norbert Rucker, Head of Macro and Next Generation Research, for an update on the European energy situation. Yeah, thanks. Well, the energy crisis in Europe definitely remains uh, top of mind. If you look at the news these days, uh, it's quite obvious that the policymakers are quite intensively debating what to do and how to mitigate the impacts of the energy crisis. Um, There's lots of policy action coming out of uh, Brussels. At the same time, it's very hard to stay on top in terms of what the actual impact will be and what kind of policies are now top of mind. Um, But we won't will likely not see is anything of price cap. So these kind of elements have been discussed last week, but it seems like there's no consensus. 
something like a price cap on gas prices, uh, selected or broad-based uh, price caps on electricity prices. What we most likely will see is rather elements that uh, allow some sort of distribution of the, the excess profits to those that suffer most from the rise in energy prices. But it seems as if out of Brussels, it's really only proposals uh, coming and that the countries themselves really decide on what kind of action they want to take. And there, uh, we think that the countries already somewhat are moving ahead of uh, the talks in uh, Brussels. If you look at this energy crisis that Europe is facing, it's a very different one. It's very different to an oil shock. Um, if you look at the current shock, basically there's the first part that comes from natural gas. And as with any shock, there's always winners and losers. Um, if you look at the gas shock in Europe, half of the production, the supply comes from within Europe, which already means that even though gas prices are so high, there's also very much uh, companies, corporates, but also the tax receivers that uh, are on the profiting side from the shock. But most importantly, if you look at the second shock, which is happening on the electricity markets, there all the profit and losses remain within Europe. And that's why this kind of energy shock is very different to the ones we're used to. So basically, it's a complexity of making sure that you can redistribute in time where the profits are to where the losses are. What makes the situation even more complex is that there's so many shock absorbers in the system. So talk about long-term uh, contracts, talk about um, hedging activities, uh, talk about fuel switching, uh, talk about imports, exports. So overall, in a nutshell, we think, yes, the headwinds coming from these energy prices are quite severe. We uh, think that there will be some sequential negative growth in the Eurozone, but most likely that it be much less severe than some of the other commentators are suggesting. If you look at the situation overall, the market force are well at play to solve it. That's why we stick to our view that the energy prices, especially gas prices and electricity prices should be lower going forward. We also stick to our view that the actual risk of running short on supplies is rather low and needs a combination of things to go wrong. Russia not delivering gas is only one element. It needs a cold winter. It needs additional outages of nuclear power plants in France uh, and so on. So overall, heading into the end of this year, heading into next year, we think most likely that energy markets will cool and they're going to return rather to the old normal than to some new state. That's it from us. Thanks. Thank you very much, Norbert. Next this morning, Nicholas Jordan from the CIO Strategy and Investment Analysis team will update us on the Investment Committee decisions from this week's meeting. Yes, thank you, Bernadette, and good morning, everyone. Despite the recent market turmoil, the US economy seemingly continues to power through. Arguably, markets were overly enthusiastic in the run-up to this US CPI inflation data release for August. What followed was a violent sell-off across asset classes on the prospect of more aggressive central bank action going forward. While the retest of the June equity market lows remains certainly in the cards, we see the Fed becoming less unfriendly by the year-end on the back of falling commodity prices. On the corporate side, while earnings estimates have been revised down, except for the oil and gas sector, profit margins remain resilient for now. And while macroeconomic indicators and sentiment surveys are slowly but surely pointing to further deterioration, especially in the housing market, the US labor market remains exceptionally resilient. Employment gains continue to surprise to the upside, while initial jobless claims have recently been declining faster than expected. Meanwhile, the unemployment rate is close to historical lows and employee compensation proves robust. 
And while the rise in energy prices and other supply chain disruptions has put significant pressure on US household wallets, the pressure is now likely to be peaking. Moreover, despite tighter financial conditions brought upon by the current central bank action, the economic cycle continues to be supported by the absence of prior imbalances in the private sector, such as broad excessive leverage. Rather, private credit continues to grow at a moderate pace. Ultimately, the resilience of the US economy will encourage the Fed to stay on its tightening path. Yet, the market isn't pricing a recession. The developments on energy markets and the housing sector should allow inflation to start normalizing towards year-end. But the Fed is not going to stop until it is sure the rise in prices is truly contained. The longer this process takes, the higher will be the risk of a policy mistake and the resulting recession. The point at which central bank officials can declare mission accomplished is unfortunately unknown. However, it is unlikely they would be able to reach the official 2% target. The structural increase in political risk and strategic shift to rewire global supply chains aggravated by the outbreak of the war in Ukraine has ended the supply abundance era in the West. Going forward, structural inflation will be 3% plus rather than 2% minus in our view. If we enter a technical recession in the US, US Treasuries should beat credit. Should the Fed manage to engineer a soft landing, credit will outperform US Treasuries. We remain invested with a hedge as the bottoming process has been postponed for now until incoming data paints a more encouraging picture regarding price pressures in the economy. But we are prepared to use continued weakness in markets to reposition portfolios for 2023 and beyond. That's all from my side. Back to you, Bernadette. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nicholas. That concludes today's podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. We hope you'll join us for the next instalment. Good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.